1: to Locked on Mavericks for Wednesday, November 2nd. I am Mike Marshall, one of your hosts. You can follow me at Machine Sports. The uh, the better half of this broadcast is Jacob Kemp at NotJackKemp on Twitter. How are we doing this morning, bro? Doing very well. Feels like the Mavericks have been off forever. I know, man. This is a really odd 48-hour or 72-hour gap at the beginning of the season, but here we are. I'm excited to talk about some games
0: and... Uh, Especially since we don't have a, a ticket post-game show for like literally a month. <laughs> right? So Locked On Mavericks can be your post-game show every morning, the day after a game, or getting you ready for a game or whatever. So I think it's going
1: to be a nice release. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Listen to us when you walk your
1: dog. Yeah, or whatever you do in the morning. If you go to a uh, national tire, tire and battery like I did this morning and have just a uh, pleasant experience, uh, maybe just pop it in, make your day a little bit better. Uh, we usually have them up around, uh, what, 9.45 a.m., so usually maybe a lunchtime uh, endeavor for you to pop in Locked on Mavericks, but we're here for you every day.
0: Maybe listen to it when you're planking on your break, when you're trying to just get those side yeah. uh, obliques working a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody, no one needs an hour for lunch, right? Like, why are, we, no. why are we still doing an hour for lunch? You eat in, like, 15 minutes, and then you go do stupid crap. Like, that's... like. Like, listen to this. Yeah, exactly. Like, listen to this. Um, yeah, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, it's every single day. Hey, we got a Cowboys joint out there, Locked On Cowboys. Uh, it's daily as well. Uh, so you can check that out and uh, get up to speed on all the uh, fun ins and outs of your Dallas Cowboys. Your 6 and 1 Dallas Cowboys, first place in the NFC East. Light flex on you there. Um, yeah, but thank you for listening. What we're going to do today is we're going to review some of those uh, rookie stale, rookie scale uh, contract extensions that got done the other day, and then we're going to preview y- y- Utah Jazz, uh, the game tonight in Utah, and tell you what the Jazz are all about because they're pretty interesting at this point in the season, um, just adjusting to life without Gordon Hayward. And uh, they finally got Derek Favors back last night. So they're an interesting test case, and uh, – you need to be prepared for the sluggish, snail-paced basketball that you're going to see this evening uh, in Utah. If you'd like to submit a question, you can do so at LockedOnMavs on Twitter or LockedOnMavs at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get around to those eventually. that will probably be a Friday episode coming up when we just clear those out. Um, but we'll get to them, I promise. They're not all for naught. We'll get around to the questions that you want answered. So there you go. Let's dive into some of these uh, rookie scale extensions that got done the other day i guess in in reference to utah they locked up rudy gobert four years 90 million any uh any uh quabbles with that jacob
0: no no dude i mean he's a top five center maybe already i mean he might he's definitely top five defensively uh and also it's utah utah is gonna have to they're never gonna get like a hometown discount so they should be proud to have gotten that done. They should be proud of that pick, and they should be proud to have him as a cornerstone piece of their franchise for years to come. It also sends a message to Hayward yeah. that they're serious, you know? Right. So I think they are serious. I know they've gotten off to a rough start, and it's probably going to be tough for them to hit um, the win total that I predicted for them or even anything close if they get out of the gate too much worse. But I still definitely think they're a playoff team and a team in the next few years that can threaten – just about anybody so uh, of course that year he went 27th the Mavericks had the 13th overall pick to start and if you really want to make yourself crazy and this is probably not all that fair because there are guys who were picked higher who are not hits at all right like MC Dub is still not really a player mm-hmm. the Mavericks took Kelly Olynyk at 13 and traded him um, they ended up with Shane Larkin in that draft but at twelve, you had Steven Adams picked, who got locked up. We'll get to that in a minute. At uh, ten, you had C.J. McCollum, who's already locked up, and kill me. So, I don't think you should just look at the Mavericks picking at thirteen and look at people after because I think you can you can move up reasonably in the NBA three to five spots. Oh uh, yeah, as long as you're not talking going from six to one without having to give up just like your entire future of capital. So, well, especially if it's um, like
1: outside the top five picks. Yeah, like, that's
0: what I'm saying. If you're if you're trying to go from six to one or seven to two, that may cost you, but if you're trying to go from thirteen to ten, or even thirteen to twelve, where Steven Adams was taken, uh, that should make you crazy. Giannis went at fifteen. Shrey, uh Dennis Schroeder, who just got uh his own extension a couple days ago, went at seventeen. Uh Gorgie Jang went at twenty one. So the the thing that's most interesting about this is that uh, you know, Cody Zeller goes at the top of the draft. He's probably actually Okay, I would still take Depot over Cody Zeller. But Depot goes two, Zeller goes four. um, And throw those guys out because they were drafted way ahead of where the Mavericks picked. But my point is just that yesterday, the Mavericks probably should have been announcing an extension of $90 million or $100 million for a guy who's in his mid-20s. And I I totally understand the didn't want to draft, uh, didn't want to just... Dirk has said a number of times, hey, I didn't want to just play with five rookies. Like, I would have left if I had to play with five rookies. So I think that always made it a little bit hard because I don't think he really meant five rookies. I think he meant, like, even two.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But by 2013, you were keeping your pick. This isn't like 2011 where you traded for Rudy Fernandez, which was an epic disaster. But at least at that point, they were sort of trying to still stay in the mix. And then in 2012, the pick that they had, they ended up... I believe that's where uh, we get Lamar, right? Yep,
1: that's Lamar Odom for uh, to the Lakers for a first-round pick.
0: So, basically, those ones make sense in the, in the terms of, hey, I'm trying to give Dirk something while bridging the gap to still being active in free agency. But by 2013, you were actually in the draft game, as evidenced by the fact that you kept Shane Larkin. So, if you're going to keep Shane Larkin, then I would have been – way more aggressive in that draft about moving up. And if not, then you just have to hit. If You have you have to hit on some of these. And they missed on Giannis, who's already gotten his money. They missed on Dennis Schroeder, who's already gotten his money. Gorgie Jang would have started for this team his rookie year yeah. because he would have beaten out Samuel D'Alembert. Jang gets locked up for four for 64 yesterday. Uh, hell, Mason Plumley probably would have started his rookie <laughs> year. Uh, and you can keep going, dude. Alan Crabb got paid, uh, mm-hmm. who was taken in the second round. Um you know, there's just a number of guys in this 2013 draft. This this is really the, the point at which not hitting on free agency was compounded by the fact that they missed on six franchise players that were taken either two picks before or after them in the 2013 draft.
1: Yeah, and that leaves – I mean, that's without even saying a word about Nerlens or uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope um, who are also in that draft. And this is – the reason they had the 13th overall pick and not something higher is because they did the uh, shave your beards when you get to 500 trick. Mm-hmm. After Dirk missed, I don't know, what was it, six weeks, eight weeks with a uh, with a messed up knee situation. And they had no reason getting back to 500 that year. But that action in itself tells you they didn't take the, the top 10 of this draft uh, with any kind of weight to it. So, for them to slide down even further and not try to jump back in to a draft that has honestly turned out to be a pretty dang good draft, if you look at the dudes that are getting extensions, Um, it's one of their greatest mistakes. It's why they. By the way, go ahead.
0: I screwed one thing up. The 2012 draft, they actually drafted Tyler Zeller, and that's how they ended up with Jared Cunningham and Jay Crowder. That's right. So. That's actually not Lamar. Lamar wasn't until 2014 in which they ended up with the uh, Oklahoma City had their pick at 21. Oklahoma City takes Mitch McGarry, who would already be a rotation player for Dallas at 21, and that's whenever they were wiped clean of the Lakers trade because the Lakers actually sent that pick to Oklahoma City. So at 21 – Mitch McGarry would have played here. Yep. Uh, Rodney Hood would be playing here, who was taken at 23, to mention you know, tonight's opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clint Capella was taken at 25. He would be starting. And at the, let's see, back into that draft, you got Jokic, who again would be a starter oh, here. Yeah. Jordan, Jordan Clarkson was taken at 46. Same thing. So that's actually the Lamar one, which... I can defend because it came from back when they were trying to be competitive in 2011. 2012 might actually be the biggest success story of all here because mm-hmm. you had the 24th overall pick and flipped Jared Cunningham into Sarge and Jay Crowder.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a couple things. They missed so hard in a draft that it was pretty difficult to miss in, which is almost impressive to me. And then, and, uh, it's,
0: and, and the other thing is this, this draft is not great. 2013 is not great because of the top five.
1: Right. Like exactly. if you just
0: if you just miss like if you're That top the five magic, is kind of gross, isn't it? I think it's, it's like ter- Trey Burke. It's, it's one of the worst.
1: Macklemore, Trey Burke.
0: Well, okay. Let's in the top ten. Mm-hmm. You've got let's see how many guys got extensions here. McCollum at ten. Mm-hmm. Burke no, right? Yep,
1: that's correct. Uh, KCP no. He'll get one eventually.
0: He will. Ben Macklemore no. Nerlens no. Alex Lynn got passed on. Cody Zeller got his. Porter no. Depot yes, and Bennett. So three players in the top ten. This top 10 is atrocious, but yeah. this draft is one of the best in the last 10 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and for the Mavs, I totally get um, I get the Lamar thing. I totally understand that. And I totally understand even the next year, the Rudy Fernandez thing, even though you could have easily just, like, sent him a text, like, hey, bro, do you actually want to play basketball still? Um, it
0: was a lockout. He was making him wait, yeah, but still.
1: It was weird, but they gave up Jordan Hamilton for nothing. Um, but, like, for a team like um, – Spinning it back to Utah and them locking up uh, Favors is up next year. They've locked up Gobert. What I always feel so bad for is a team that like does everything right in the draft and has to lock up their own guys because no one's gonna no free agents going to Utah um, and they're not getting any hometown discounts and they are basically locked into a team that I don't know will ever make a Western Conference Finals. You know what I mean? And I feel so bad for teams like that because you did nothing wrong. You just didn't have that elite player quite yet. And uh, I think that's what's going to happen to Utah. They're going to lock up favors next year. They're going to try and retain Hayward. They've already gotten Gobert and a really good young core. But they're going to do all the right moves and maybe never finish in the top three in the West.
0: Yeah, maybe, but I would still take. I mean, th- I think you could say that almost about Oklahoma City. I mean, Oklahoma City obviously made the finals, and they were in the Western Conference Finals. What, like four out of five years or something? Yeah, four to six years or something. But they basically have the same amount to show for that as Utah. Yeah, that's an extreme. Uh, that's th-
1: an extreme case. Yeah, for sure. They 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 did it like better than anybody.
0: And they got and Durant and Westbrook are better than anybody that Utah has. But for sure. I don't think that uh, go- the combination of what Utah has, I mean, I don't think they're that far off. I mean, I think it's tainted by the fact that we think the Warriors are going to be good forever, but mm-hmm. I would not be surprised at all if by 2018, if Utah is able to keep everyone in their mix together, they'll have passed the Clippers.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think It'll Clippers, just be a matter
0: yeah. of whether they've – Yeah, because at that point, I'm not trusting Doc the GM to outmaneuver what <laughs> Utah has done. Right. It's really just about San Antonio. So, I don't know, man. I would still way take where they are. Oh, I hunting would hunting in free than, than hunting in free agency. But if you hunt in free agency, you also have to be able to supplement yourself with some of these guys that then you can sign using bird rights so that you're not constantly, you know, yeah. just destroyed in cap space every uh every off season. But yeah. I say all this to say that yesterday should have been a big news for Mav- a big day for Mavs news. You yeah. should have been announcing Steven Adams or somebody that was locked up that had been here for a few years already mm-hmm. and you know even those are tough at times I mean not extending uh Nerland's that's tough I mean he needs to be traded yeah he does and that's a that's a whole other issue because I don't think they're going to let him walk for nothing actually I can guarantee you they're not so I would be calling them right now and I would give up a first for him yesterday he'll
1: be restricted right so they'll they'll slap something on him and some team will have to forfeit something to uh yeah so trade is the best avenue and I didn't mean to compare what Utah did uh to what the Mavericks are doing, necessarily like uh, tit for tat, and um, that in that fashion, I was just talking about. Um, I feel I feel really bad for teams like that that have overachieved or not overachieved. They've they've outplayed their market and uh, their and their resources, and they'll never. I don't know if they'll ever peak out. Now, in the Mavericks' term, there's nothing. There's nothing to defend what they did this year. That this is one of the. If you like, ask me. Um, you know, top five egregious things that they've done that I will never forgive them for. This might be number one. Uh, making it back to 500 in a year that Dirk missed two months of a season for no good reason at all. Getting back to 41 and 41 to have a fun little uh, 30 second VO of the guys shaving their beards and then convincing yourself that you're so point guard poor that you have to get Michael Carter Williams, but you don't want to jump up and trade for him. You don't want to go get yeah. your. You don't want to go get your guy. You'd rather just wait around for the next point guard, who's Shane Larkin. Before um,
0: we move on, we should mention that's why they did this. Yeah, they they were obsessed in this draft with the idea of getting a point guard. And when there was a run on them between uh, Burke and Carter Williams, they basically bowed out. Yeah, and
1: that's so narrow minded, man.
0: It, especially because you ended up starting. Uh bear at five. Yep. And I can show you, like I said, Gorgy, Mason Plumley, and Steven Adams were all taken. And he, hell, even Olinick. Yeah. <laughs> had they, had they even kept Olinick, Olinick might have been a starter. Uh not a great fit with Dirk, but he would have been better than Dallin Bear. I can promise you that. So
1: Absolutely. I
0: don't have anything else on this. I don't want to spend all of our time. I know we want to spend a few minutes on the jazz, but mm-hmm. Yesterday was just really kind of a uh, it's it's maddening because yeah. a, a lot of the other stuff I like I said I can defend, but and that, I almost I, I give them up kind of give them a pass on Giannis too because I would seen like tape of Giannis playing in like a what looked like a gym at a YMCA and thought yeah. this guy's never going to make it here. He had a little but, he
1: had a little Sotinum to him.
0: Yeah, a little. A little sure.
1: What is happening with this guy? <laughs> And the last
0: thing, obviously, is that they wanted a point guard, and they also wanted to move back because they wanted to shave off a hundred grand to give Dwight a max, which yeah. is part and parcel of this entire thing. That right. you just made a safe play. Like I'm more comfortable moving up three or four spots in the draft and drafting, mm-hmm. you know, a, a proven college player than I am hoping for Dwight Howard to pick my team. That's yeah, and bad what's business. and what's
1: sad is the lessons that they they, they learned from this. And all of their missteps over the last you know four to five years, they're not going to help Dirk. Like by the time they've learned all their lessons um, and how to actually approach this thing properly and how to cheat the system and get young, young talent in here that'll, that'll hold for you know more than uh, you know 18 months of Shane Larkin or uh, not giving Jay Crowder the proper minutes or the proper shine and then dealing him, all the lessons they've learned and their new skill set that they have for approaching team building is going to be applied after Dirk leaves. And that that freaking sucks. Um, It's
0: certainly a catch-22 because I do think back to Dirk telling us several times on Bad Radio in his annual visit, you know, I didn't want to come back and play with a bunch of rookies, but if we're going to be competitive, I want to be here. Yeah. But as frustrating as it is, uh, that's where they are. No big extensions announced for the Mavericks yesterday. Uh, So let's move on to a team that did announce a big extension Yesterday, Utah.
1: They did, and they played uh, last night in San Antonio, so they'll be on the ass end of a back-to-back, but they got a win in San Antonio. Um, the first team to beat the Spurs in uh, next to the river, Riverwalk since March 2015. The Spurs were 40-1 and at home in that stretch. Utah's 2-2. Two and two. Um, They got up by 15 in the second quarter. I was watching some of this as I was working on uh, Pelicans last night. Um, they got up by 16 in the second quarter, uh, Spurs came back, Kawhi started eating people alive. And then, uh, I thought the Spurs were just going to lap them and do what the Spurs do. But no, George Hill took over with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, scored four straight buckets. He was, uh, he was shining for pop. He and pop were just, uh, just smiling at each other after every single basket. Utah hit (laughs) hit 15, 15 threes. Um, I guarantee you he texted you up at, like, yeah. 2 a.m. on the, on the no flight doubt. back. Um, Meet and each other shot- over by the bar, just kind of like, oh, <laughs> Hey, come here often. I haven't um, seen you in a while. Utah made 15 threes last night. So I don't know if being on the ascent of a back-to-back will affect that. Um, I was shocked to learn that there are airports in Utah and that this team does not just travel in a giant RV around the country. <laughs> Come on, man. I was, I was shocked to see that they could play a back-to-back. I was like, how does the RV get from San Antonio to Utah in one day's time? Um, they got Derek Favors back last night, but he only played 15 minutes and uh, messing with a sore knee. And they've been trying to survive without, um, I don't know, maybe you'd call it their, most, their best all-round player. And Gordon Hayward, who is due for an extension at the end of this year. And um, they've kind of done what the Mavericks do whenever uh, the Mavericks get in a pickle, which is slow down the pace to a grinding, flipping halt. They have a uh, 93.4 pace rating through their first four games. Uh, They're 2-2, as I mentioned. And a couple things about them that make them pretty interesting is – when they rebound the ball well, which they are totally capable of, with Derek Favors, Gobert, Trey Lyles, and a pretty deep bench, Dow. Um when they rebound the ball at a uh you know, a above average clip, and I mean fifty two percent plus on total rebound percentage, and they protect the paint, which I would consider you know, anything above like a <laughs> I don't know, a nine percent block rate is would be exceptional. Um, and their two wins, they've had a, a plus eleven percent block percentage, uh, and obviously that's a lot of Gobert. But they get favors back uh, now as well, so they have a little bit more defensive flexibility. So they beat they beaten the Lakers and the Spurs, and they lost to the Trailblazers and the uh, the Clippers. And Gobert kind of got bodied a little bit by DeAndre in the Clippers game, and then the Trailblazers obviously don't give you a ton of chances to block shots, but they almost got to nine uh, in that game as well, but. If they rebound well and they protect the rim, you it's gonna be real tough to beat them at the pace that they play because their offense is really on the on the sly. Their offense has been really stinking good, uh, particularly in transition, and they create a lot of transition opportunities from Gobert and just real active defense. Um, and George Hill's a good defender as well. But uh, in transition, they are ranked fifth in the league in points in, per uh, possession.
0: Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so 1.182 points per, uh, transition possession, uh, and their half court offense has actually been really good. Uh, they are 11th in the league in half court offense, um, thus far in the season. So if you thought you were going to get, you know, some kind of sloppy offensive unit that needs to slow it down to, uh, you know, hyper focus the shots and run plays like that. That's not necessarily it. They want to run like, and they're really good at it. They just, I don't know without Hayward right now, it's just a little funky. And they like playing that slow pace because they do have um, some bigger, not statuesque big men, but big men that necessarily don't get up and down as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a question for their future is how those two guys can play together in favors Mm -hmm. and go because that's not really traditional um, because, you know, we we talked about it earlier with Philadelphia not wanting Noel. At least Embiid and Okafor have both flashed a little bit of range. Yep. So they can hit you with a little bit of spacing, but – I mean, really, I think Utah is considerably better than Dallas when healthy. For sure. So what you're banking on here is two things. That they look gassed because even though they won by 15, that game was – it was two-point – I think it was a two-point margin heading into the fourth. Yeah. So that you had to play a tough game against a physical team like San Antonio that favors is on a minutes restriction, that Hayward isn't playing, and that Dirk hasn't played in almost a week. Mm -hmm. That's – or more than a week. That's pretty much – All we have to hang our hat on right now is hoping that Dirk is fresh enough to take – listen, if you get beat on the second night of a back-to-back, even though they're at home, if you get beat on the second night of a back-to-back when you haven't played in four days, your best player hasn't played in a week, they're without their best player and their arguably third or fourth best player can't play more than 20 minutes, that is a real problem. And especially if you look at the Mavericks' schedule coming up, the path to like 0-7 – is not all that hard to find, or two and five or something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I'm i going to go Jerry Fraley and say this is as close to a must-win game as you're going to find in the first freaking month of the season. I mean, this is – and it sucks too because I don't really feel like the Mavericks have played that poorly through three games. They had a overtime loss against, again, a team that's better than them on the road. Now, the fact Indiana is better than them is another conversation, but they are. Uh, and then a team that you're probably pretty evenly matched with without your best player. Uh, yeah. And one of those games was down to the last possession. So it sucks because you've allowed yourself no margin for error, but that's where they are. And I think they'll probably get it done tonight, though. I think you'll see a vintage Dirk effort because I don't think favors can hold in.
1: No, I don't either. If Dirk, if Dirk plays and Dirk is um, you know, either 80-plus 80, 80 percent normal Dirk, I think they win. Because Utah's half court offense or half court defense is pretty awful. They're 27th in uh, half court defense, and the Mavericks aren't necessarily going to run on you. So I think a lot of possessions are going to be in the half court. Um, let's see. I had something earlier. Who was playing bad defense? Um, so Trey Lyles, if they run Trey Lyles in there, he's going to get nuked. Uh, there's no way around it. <laughs> he's allowing 1.4 points per possession um, overall. Joe Johnson is not a good defender at this point. Dante Exum is not a great defender at this point. So right now they're kind of leaning on George Hill and Rudy Gobert, um, like up the middle defense um, to contain. And that's the two positions where the Mavericks don't necessarily try and generate offense in their starting unit. I'll tell you uh, something it, else.
0: Harrison Barnes should be able to take Derek Favors to the rack whenever it's uh, – Oh, for sure. If there's a situation where he's at the four and Favors is still in the game, which probably won't happen quite as much, yep. because Favors probably is going to be not stretched out too far, but mm-hmm. he should be able to just smoke him.
1: Yeah, and if you start running boget along the perimeter, um, setting screens for people and try and draw Gobert out, I think you can be very effective uh, in that. And, yeah, if you if you turn – Barnes on the perimeter setting screens or just, you know, faking the screen and, and diving to the basket. If you turn that into a foot race, I like the chances on that. So, uh, yeah. All right. 8 p.m. tonight in Utah. Uh, first must win of the season. <laughs> there might be 20-something more. Um, oh, one more thing I had. I'm sorry. Um, so, they actually got favors back last night. So, George Hill, Joe Johnson, Rodney Hood. Uh, Favors and Gobert is their preferred starting unit and the units that's going to get the most um the most minutes this year from from the Jazz. Last night when Favors was in that starting unit was on was on the uh the court. They had a 154 defensive rating in 13 minutes. <laughs> 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 they yeah, got they, they got destroyed and their pace slowed down to an 82. Hows how do you even do that? I don't know. I you have to, like, sit Indian-style at half court, I believe. That's how you get an 82 pace. But, uh, wow! all right, let's go win it. Uh, 8 p.m. tonight uh, in Utah against the Jazz. And then Friday, home versus the Trailblazers. And there you go. We'll be with you uh, tomorrow reviewing the Jazz game. Jacob, thank you for your time. Yes, sir.